Science and Answers. The Philippian Church was much like the church of today. We need to be reminded of what to put into our minds. Philippians 4 talks about thinking on the good things of God. What do you dwell on or allow yourself to think on? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, we will hear our host, Pat Zucran, as he continues on with his series, Studying Through the Book of Philippians. Today, you will continue on in Chapter 4. If you're unable to hear any of this message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat with Part 2. Do not be anxious. Do not be overly worried about what? Anything. That's quite an amazing statement. Now, Anxious, okay? This Greek word doesn't mean to be concerned, okay, or to live a carefree life, all right? If, if you've got someone in the hospital, I hope you're concerned. If things are going bad at work, you may lose your job. I hope you're concerned, all right? But this Greek word for anxious means to brood over, to speculate, to continually dwell upon. Often it, it's used for the cares of life which disturb someone's sleep, from which refuge is sought in pleasures or love or in alcohol. And really, it's a kind of worry which only death can bring to an end. And this is a consuming kind of worry and anxiety. It has uh, the negative connotation of anxiety, harassing care, attempting to carry the burden of the future by oneself, it's an unreasonable, constant worry, especially about the things of, over which we have no control. When you face that kind of anxiety, Paul says, instead of being anxious and worrisome, what are we to do? Pray. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Instead of worry and anxiety, what do we do? Pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. I can tell you, when you see me stressed and worried, it's probably directly connected with my prayer life. All right? My prayer life is probably not in the best shape it needs to be. That's why I get consumed with worry. Prayer is when we invite the omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful God to enter into our life and do the things only He can do. When we're consumed with worry, often we're trying to do the things really only God can do. Okay? And we need to invite him into that situation. When you do, what's the result? Well, when you pray with thanksgiving, the result is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace, which is not affected, by the circumstances and situations of this world, a supernatural peace that only he can give guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the word guard there, it's an interesting word. It refers to a Roman sentry guard guarding the city gates, all right? In the New Testament, it's usually, it usually means to watch, to guard, to keep safe. So the picture that Paul is painting here is this. When you face anxiety of any kind, 
meet it with prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Then God's peace, like a garrison of soldiers, will keep guard over your thoughts and feelings so that they will be safe against the assaults of worry and fear as any fortress. So as Roman guards would guard a fortress, so the peace of God guards the hearts and minds of believers when they meet anxiety with prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving. One of my most popular shows is an interview with Ruby Ovitz. Now, we do a series on God's suffering and evil. And for several weeks, I give the philosophical, theological answer to the problem of evil. And then we do a whole series on how, as believers in Christ, in practical ways do we confront and face and overcome the pain and suffering that comes upon in our lives. One of my most popular shows is with Ruby Ovitz, Dr. Ruby Ovitz, the former principal of Hawaii Baptist Academy. And in our show, if you listen to it, after a very difficult divorce, discovering that her husband had not been faithful, divorce followed, but not long after that, she was diagnosed with a very aggressive type of ovarian cancer and given a slim chance to survive. And on that show, I asked her, how did you feel when hearing that diagnosis for the first time? And she said this, she said, I had surgery and after I had surgery immediately, and after that was brought to my room, and Dr. Hirobayashi held my hand and told me, Ruby, you have a very aggressive type of ovarian cancer. When she told me that, I was so quiet, I accepted the diagnosis. And then she says it was strange, because, Pat, there was a warm feeling that came over my entire body from head to toe, and I knew it was God. And he said to me at that moment, Ruby, do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. And I was so quiet. And the doctor said, oh, you're one of my patients who do not even cry or get angry. And I said, doctor, I have peace. When I was told I may die for the first time in my life, I said, thank you, God. Thank you, for I have lived a full life and I am ready. If it is your will that I be with you, then I have no regrets. I'm ready. I was not scared that she said I had peace. And I asked God, if it's your will, would you give me more time to serve you? But if not, then I am ready to go. There was a woman who experienced that supernatural joy and peace, even receiving this terrible diagnosis, someone that met anxiety with prayer and supplication, with an attitude of thanksgiving. And when that happens, God says, the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we develop an attitude of thanksgiving? Well, here's one thing that has helped me. I heard it from a radio talk show. Can't remember who the guy's name was. I think it's Dennis Prager. But I can't quite remember. I want to give credit to where credit's due. I think it's Dennis Prager. But he said this. So I've learned to apply it in my life. Usually when we go to prayer, first thing we do is, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Well, Paul says what? With an attitude of thanksgiving. Dennis Prager said, before you go to bed at night, say five things that you are thankful for. 
And that has been a great application for me. Before I go to prayer and I ask God for the things that I need in my life, I try to thank him for five things that I can be thankful for. You know, that has helped change my attitude, not only towards the Lord, but my whole perspective on life. Without a thankful heart, without thanking the Lord daily for the things that he has done, we miss all the blessings that go on in our life. And often we can develop an attitude of bitterness and anger, saying, God is not doing anything in my life. God is not at work in my life. I'm not being blessed. He's forgotten me. But when you reflect on the day, and before you pray, you thank God for five things. You often see the things you may have looked over, how God is working in your life to bring about his purpose that you may have just completely missed throughout the days and the weeks that have gone by. So Paul's third exhortation is an exhortation to prayer. Number four, it's the exhortation to ponder, to dwell on the right things. The older I get, the more I realize how powerful the mind is. The mind is an extremely powerful thing. And as Paul states in 2 Corinthians 10 and other passages, we need to guard the mind. We need to dwell on the things that are right and true. What consumes you often determines your outlook and attitude towards life. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. There's a saying, whatever consumes your mind controls your life. If you're consumed about the guy that did you wrong, all right, or the wrong that was done to you, and maybe how you can get back or your desire to get back, that's going to consume your life, all right, and your attitudes and your outlook on life. What consumes your mind controls your life. And Paul says, therefore, you've got to guard your mind. You've got to dwell on these things. Number one, and we're going to go through this list pretty quick. Whatever is true, the biblical definition means conformed to reality. God is the source of truth, and therefore, we are to see things from God's perspective. The world bombards us with false ideas, false thoughts that distort true reality, right? If you're good-looking, if you look this way and wear these clothes, then life is going to just unfold perfectly for you. Marriages should be this way. They should always be happy, right? She looks like a model every morning when she wakes up right? He looks like Schwarzenegger, or maybe Schwarzenegger 30 years ago, throughout the rest of his life, right? He doesn't lose his hair. His hair never turns white. We get these distorted views of reality and false messages bombarded to us every single day. And the Christian needs to discern truth from error and dwell on what is true. Second, what is honorable? Whatever is majestic, awe-inspiring, noble, worthy of respect, to dwell on such things. Third, whatever is just, in other words, whatever is right, the duty of living according to the rules of God. God is the source of truth. God's character is the source of righteousness and justice. Right is defined by God and his character. 
not to be dwelling on how I can cheat and get out of paying so much for taxes or how I can wrong this guy who really did me wrong at work by booby trapping his desk or whatever it may be to dwell on what is right next what is pure the Greek word there actually means what is holy so it embraces the idea of purity of motives and actions purity in every part of life whatever is lovely or whatever calls forth love whatever is attractive winsome for example the graciousness of speech is often used in this way how we can be gracious in our speech in a way that builds others up doesn't tear anyone down whatever is commendable that means expressing what is kind and likely to win people and avoiding what is likely to give offense whatever is commendable Paul sums it up if there's any excellence anything worthy of praise he says focus your minds on these things dwell on these things think about these things once again that's a present active imperative in other words Paul is saying keep dwelling on these things so Paul asks us to continually focus on the mind on these things we are responsible for our thought life we are responsible for the kinds of things we think about we can control what we dwell upon you may not be able to control completely what comes through your mind but you can control what you're going to dwell and ponder and think on and Paul asks us dwell on these things and allow them to shape our conduct in other words think on these things with a view of doing them so the Christian thought life is absolutely critical to Christians having the right attitude and outlook on life thoughts leads to attitudes and attitudes eventually to action Frank Outlaw wrote watch your thoughts they become your words watch your words they become your actions watch your actions they become habits watch your habits they become character watch your character for it becomes your destiny it all begins with the things that you think and dwell upon there's a some guys I used to play golf with and uh, we usually play for lunch and one guy I call him Lucifer you know when he shows up to the first tee I say Lucifer Lucifer has arrived and the reason is that this guy knows how to get in my mind all right sports is a lot like life right when you're playing sports you got to keep a clear mind if you start thinking negative thoughts eventually you're gonna to start to mess up if you're in football and you're a wide receiver and you're thinking oh I may drop this pass chances are you're gonna drop it you got to envision yourself catching it no matter who's covering you and in golf same thing you see a tough shot coming you can't think oh man I may duff it and and go in the palm oh, I may slice it oh and go in the trees you got to think you know I've made this shot a hundred of times I can make it again and you got a vision where it's going once you start thinking oh uh, or you start thinking negative thoughts then your game goes downhill and Lucifer Lucifer knows how to do that to me so when I'm whooping up on everyone and I'm talking about lunch he'll bring up something 
either a person that really gave me a bad time or a critic that really went after me on the internet or something that's gone bad at work or you know the stocks have gone down the toilet and a particular stock he knows I'm in is losing money big time or whatever it may be and I start thinking about that and I start getting negative and I start complaining and I said yeah you know what that guy did to me let me tell you about this guy and meanwhile Lucifer is laughing because he knows he got me and suddenly what happens to my golf game it just starts going down the toilet all right and Lucifer starts winning what do I have to do man I got to stop and say wait a minute I don't need to keep thinking about this stuff and I look at him and I say I rebuke you Satan in the name of Jesus all right and get my thought life back on track same thing in life if you dwell on the wrong that's been done to you you dwell on the way my wife let me down here's how she let me down oh no how are you going to treat her when you see her at the end of the day or you think you know that no good husband of mine look at that door over there still not painted oh in the yard look at that fence still still hanging over there at the door oh that guy oh you start thinking like that what's going to happen when your husband comes home from work the things you dwell about are going to determine your attitude and your perspective on life and Paul is saying hey you can control your thought life we are responsible to guard our hearts and our minds dwell on the things of God dwell on these things he says continually think about these things a good counselor friend of mine says Pat you don't have to be a prisoner to all the negative and bad things that happened in your life and the things that people said you are a prisoner to them as long as you let them hold you in prison we are responsible for how and the things we think about so our life application is this understand first and foremost we are in control of our thought life it took me years to learn this yeah, I think it was in grad school when someone actually told me you're in control of what you think about so be aware of how you're thinking guard your heart guard your mind when you catch yourself in the world of thinking those negative thoughts remove those pictures and replace them with healthy thoughts words that are true noble pure holy and good and Paul's final exhortation to us is the exhortation to practice he says this what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you once again a present active imperative keep putting these things into practice the things that you have learned from me that you have seen keep putting them into practice Paul is saying it's not enough just to learn these things you've got to apply them the Bible is not meant just to be learned it's meant to be applied and transform our lives that's why Hebrews 4 calls the Bible the living word because when you apply the principles to life you see how God's principles are true and how they work and how they come to pass and this book literally comes to life it literally does as you're applying it throughout your day and you're seeing the principles of God's word that are effective and true this book literally comes to life he says the things that you've learned that you have received implies that the Philippians not only believe it but they act on it and they teach one another these things as well so Paul says this if you dwell on the right things practice 
faithful living, meet anxiety with prayer, apply the things that I have taught, then the peace of God shall be with you. So Paul explained that the peace of God will be with us when we pray with thanksgiving and apply the things that he has taught us. So he says, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, all countless concerns that assail the believer in Christ, they are all kept at bay if we continually think about the right things, dwell on the right things, fill our minds with the right things, and apply the things that Christ and the apostles taught. Paul in jail and the Philippians being persecuted could have the peace of God forever with them if they apply the things that Paul taught. Paul is simply repeating the things Jesus taught. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7 what? He who hears and applies or and does the things that I have said is the man who built his house upon the rock. Who is the man that has built his house upon the rock, Matthew 7? Well, the one who hears and does or applies the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, the one who hears this word and does not do what I say is the man who has built his house upon the sand. And the waves came, and terrible was the destruction. Those who hear Christ's words and the teachings of Paul and do not apply them simply have built their house upon the sand. Those of you that play instruments, if I come and watch you play the piano 10 hours a day, will I ever learn piano? Of course not. I got to get on there and actually apply the things the piano teacher tells me. Same thing here. You'll never experience the living, powerful truth of the Word of God if you don't apply it to your life. So our life application is this. There are many things that you are taught throughout the week in God's Word. Try to take one and apply them to your life each week. One of the blessings in the United States, we get a lot of Bible teachings. One of the bad things is we get a lot of Bible teaching. All right, so often we get all this information and we got information overload. Well, try to take something you hear through the week, one principle, and apply it to your life. And one of the things you can apply is this. When negative thoughts enter into your mind, write it down. And on the other half of the page, counter it with truth from God's word. So when you're having negative thoughts about that no good husband, who didn't fix the door yet, all right, who didn't empty the trash, on and on and on, hey, write that down, but then counter it with truth that comes from God's word. When you're thinking about terrible things that go on at work and how much you hate work, write it down, right? But then counter it with truth that comes from God's word. Do that daily. When you think God has let you down, boy, I uh, prayed for this and I didn't get it. Well, counter that with truth that comes from God's word. And you're going to start seeing how your attitude and your perspective begins to change. That's something a good counselor friend taught me to do years ago. And when I get into very negative or I'm battling depression again, often we have to go back right to that exercise. It is a great application that changes your heart, your mind, and your perspective and helps you apply the truth of God's word to the negative things that may be going on in your life. So as we enter in to the holiday season, the season of joy, the season of peace, everlasting joy and peace doesn't come 
in the material things or the things of this world. The peace that God gives, the joy that he gives is a supernatural joy that can only be found in him. When we rejoice in the Lord, when we practice and apply the things he teaches, when we meet anxiety with prayer, then God promises that peace and joy can always be with us, even in the most difficult of times. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for lessons we learn from the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you would give us insight as to how to apply these wonderful teachings to our lives, that the hallmark of everlasting joy and peace may always be ours, especially during this special time of the year. And we pray this for each one here in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, as well as Pat's books. Be sure to share it with your family, friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.